to another edition of Footy Talks with me, Stephen Caldwell, and today I am really excited and honoured to have the magnificent Kendall Waston on for an interview. Thanks for coming on, Kendall, for Player to Player with me, Stephen Caldwell. I appreciate your time, big man. No problem, my friend. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Long time we don't speak, so I'm excited to talk to you about everything. Yeah, it's great stuff, mate. I'm excited to hear your story. I've been doing a few of these so far, and it's so interesting to hear the different stories from people, whether they're Canadian or they're from the UK, Costa Rica, and the different <laughs> pathways that we've all took to get to, to the levels of professional soccer that we're lucky enough to achieve. So I'm excited to get into yours. So I'm going to start, first of all, San Jose, Costa Rica, the 1st of January, 1988, a young Kendall Waston, or should I say the full name of Kendall Jamal Waston Manley, <laughs> <laughs> which I love, mate, born in San Jose, Costa Rica. Give me a little bit of insight into your, your early family life and growing up in San Jose, please. Oh, yes. My mom, she was pushing hard from December 31st, <laughs> and I came out until January 1st. <laughs> Amazing. So, so from the first time, I was a nightmare for her. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I born in San Jose, but I grew up in Limon, Costa Rica. That is the okay. Caribbean side. And she, she decided to have me in San Jose because there was a better conditions for the hospitals and to have have my birth, you know? So that's why I born in San Jose. And days after, I went to Limon, Costa Rica. As I told you, the Caribbean part where, you know, you see a lot of kind, we have similar um, culture of the Jamaicans. And you see the Rastas, we have the same food, we speak the same language. So in the Caribbean side is, is really relaxed, the beaches, surfing. <laughs> so yeah, it was nice. So you've got the lifestyle there, I'll bet. I bet it's an absolutely beautiful place to grow up. Lots of outdoor fun, I'm sure. Were you a very active yeah. young man? Do you have brothers <laughs> and sisters? What was what was the early stages of Kendall Waston's life like? Well, the nice thing was playing playing football in the street. Yeah, you know, playing football in the street with your friends. Sometimes we break some windows, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the neighbor was so angry. <laughs> so sometimes we kick the ball in their backyard, and they they give us the ball, but the ball have there was it wasn't working anymore. The ball they they throw with a machete, <laughs> so they destroy the ball. Yeah, <laughs> so it was, it was really nice. Yeah, I can remember when I was, we, my brother and I are 18 months apart, so we'd play in the back garden and we'd kick the ball into the opposite garden so many times that the old man was so annoyed. He just kept yeah. throwing the balls back. And we say, sometimes we're going to get this ball back. It's going to be burst. There's going to be no air in it. So I know yeah. how you're and did, you, did you have brothers and sisters? Who, who was the, uh, what was the neighborhood like? Who was, who was around there for you to kind of play soccer with? Yeah, no, I have a, a younger brother, but he grew up in New York with my okay. mom. So I usually um, just play around with my neighbors. There was a lot of kids from different ages. So we have a lot of fun. Sometimes we play even baseball wow, and wow. different things. So in in that city, in that town, is 
we have a tropical weather. So we can have 28 degrees Celsius, but it's, it's raining, you know? Yeah. So sometimes we are playing in the, like in a yard and there's a lot of mud and you are playing in the rain and enjoying yourself. And when you reach at home, my grandma just used to tell me, you better don't get in like that. Just bed outside. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds similar to Scotland, apart from the 28 degrees centigrade, oh, because yeah. it was probably about three degrees in Scotland, but there was a Whoa. lot of muck and a yeah. lot of rain, and we were the same. Um, so was soccer the sport that you guys played all the time? You mentioned baseball yeah. there. Was it always your your first love when it came to sport, or were you a, a bit of a you know a, a, an all-star sportsman? Yeah, I used to love baseball because my grandfather, he used to play it. That's why. But the number one sport always is soccer. That was the number one. So every Christmas or every birthday, my gift was soccer balls. Yeah, and when did you realize <laughs> that you were, a, you were a good soccer player? Was it was, was the village, was it the, the community talking about how good you were? Or, or did that come a bit later? Yeah, it came about a little bit later when I was in school and I was like in, I, I was like nine years old and all my friends, they were saying, oh no, everybody want to play with me. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I got, I, I got something. <laughs> and you I played against you, so no, I know how big you are and I'm not, I'm not often intimidated by picking up people from corner kicks, but the first time I saw you come up, and I'm marking you. I'm like, oh my! I don't know how I'm going to handle this guy. Were you always the, the the big guy, or did you grow later? And and no, I always was the big guy. <laughs> like sit, sitting in the the last row in the classroom, always in the back. It was ah, uh, it was a nightmare. But uh, I I think I have some advances as well. Yeah, I can imagine you to be a bit of a joker at school. Were you the one, the, the class joker, the one that was always smiling and laughing? Yes, every time I make some jokes. Sometimes I get in, into trouble with the, <laughs> with the teachers, but I, I, I always enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you spoke a bit there about your gran and grandpa growing up with them. Yeah. What, what was the, the, did they raise you? Were they your, uh, your main mm -hmm. influence at the time? Yeah, they raised me because my father, they split up, they um, divorced when I was three, four years old. Yeah. So after that, my, my, my father, obviously, well, he used to work in the cruise ship. So I used to see him once a year, like every 10 months. Yeah. Because he was working. My mom, after she decided to go to the U.S. and, and try to find a, a better job. You know, to yeah, to yeah. raise me up. So that's why I grew up with my grandparents. And my grandma, she was the strict one. Yeah. She was so hard. My <laughs> grandfather, he was the, the lazy one, the one that I can tell him anything and he will say yes. You know, <laughs> so I remember, hey, I remember one day when I was growing up, I was getting taller and taller, you know. So I was taller than my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> and I was every Saturday I have to clean my room and my, my and my bathroom. So I was rushing because I want to play soccer in the street, you know. <laughs> so she said, if you don't clean it well, you're not gonna play. I said, Okay, okay. I was cleaning and I didn't do it well because I was rushing. 
and she said, no, you are punished. You're going to stay at home. You're not going to play. And I was, I get it. I got mad. You know, I got angry. So yeah. I just stand up in front of her. <laughs> and she go, oh, so you think you're a big man now? And she just go, whoa, she punched me. <laughs> a KO. I fall down on the floor. And I, and I saw my grandfather, he come in and he say, what's going on? What's going on? And I say, oh, yes, he going to defend me, you know. And my <laughs> grandmother, she just said, if you get him, you're going to get your your bomb bomb beating as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Gran was a tough one then, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And the boys knew their place in that house, not to mess with grandma. No, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, and so the, your granddad was the one that you would go to if uh, you wanted a yes. You would go to your Correct, granddad and yes. he was the one that would say, yeah, sure, Kendall, you can have yeah. whatever you need. Absolutely. He was that spoiling one. Yeah. <laughs> And and when you played soccer in Costa Rica, was there was there any structure, youth clubs, boys clubs, or or was it more just fun in the streets? It was just fun in the street. After when you um you grow up, grew up, and you have almost like ten years old or a little bit less, you have sim uh, little clubs, you know, like yeah. that town club. So you play against each other yeah. every weekend. And when I was like almost 14 years old 13 is when i got my first um soccer club let's say like first professional yeah club that they you have to practice four times a week and you have games every weekend you know so it wasn't no more fun everybody was comp competing to play in the starting 11. and, and was that in limon uh, that was in limon yeah yeah yes sir yeah. Yeah, and so did. At what point did you go to Saprissa? You were in the youth setup at Saprissa, weren't you? So did did you yeah. play in Limon for a few years, and then were you selected by a scout to go? To yeah, we we in Limon they select like twenty two players to go to the capital, the capital okay. of Costa Rica, to San Jose. So, so play for like every, a regional team. Every yeah. yes, every original, you know, every. Yeah teams from, from different provinces. So we we play against each other and there was scouts all around. So they was selecting different type of players. So they select me between, they were, we was um, 380 players. Wow. So there was the scouts for the national team, the, um, the U15. Yeah. So after that, we have to go to San Jose, to the capital, and make another trials every single day by one for one week. So every day they was taking out players, taking out oh, players wow. until we get to 30 from 380 to 30. So I got selected luckily. <laughs> so what I'm sure it wasn't luck, I'm sure it was talent, but, but what did that feel like? I mean, we had the similar thing in Scotland where the first age group that becomes important is U15. We have a schoolboy competition against. England and Ireland and Wales and it's this big thing that's on Sky Television and I can remember I was lucky enough to be selected for Scotland but the pressure the environment was intense yeah. for that age did you feel the same or were you still laid back and, and casual about it no it was pressure because even though that we I was selected in the 30 players every once a month 
they bring they bring another different players that they decide right. or they like. So you 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 never stop to compete. You every week is a competition. And you have to improve because there was a lot of teammates that they was there one week, two weeks, and after we don't see them anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's interesting because Josie Altidore told me a similar story about being in, in Bradenton, Florida with a US program and it was the same thing. It was a bit longer. They went for eight or nine weeks as a group of maybe 35, 40 players, but then there would be cuts and guys would go home and guys would come in. And so the environment was was similar. And, and I think that this tells you know the listeners here that even although it takes maybe 18, 19, 20 for you to become truly professional. Mm-hmm. It starts a lot earlier, doesn't it? You know, it starts at 14 and 15. And right. the ones that have the ability to make it are the ones that need to be mentally strong through that period. Do you, do you mm-hmm. agree with what I'm saying? Yes, I agree because I remember there was a lot of talented um, players that I used to know. But I, and there was those was the one that everybody was talking about that oh they have a great future this and that, and after they disappear. So that the what I see that um, the players that get to the professional level was the obviously some of the talented ones, but the majority of them was the hardworking ones are the the ones that have the stronger mentality. Yeah, the ones that, that, that never give up, really, that yeah. know how to take the adversity. And the strengths that you had at that time, is it, is it similar to the player that I know that we, we, we love to see now? Or were you a little bit different? What was your, uh, your key attributes as, in your kind of teenage years? Well, I think it's pretty similar, you know, like yeah. um, a strong mentality because I know I, I, didn't, I wasn't a talented player, like skillful. You know, so yeah. I know what, which one, which was my strengths and I tried to improve them and my weaknesses try to work on them, you know, so my strengths can, can cover all my weakness. Yeah. So, so I think like um, different things that I went through in my life in a young age have helped me to to make me a, a strong character and to believe in what I'm doing and, and just fight for it no matter what happens. Yeah, you had that determination to, to achieve and to succeed. Correct. Uh, did, the, um, did the national team program allow you the opportunity to go to Saprissa or was it, was it the opposite way around? The way I get to Saprissa was funny because I, I was already in the national team, right? So... I didn't have a club in the in San Jose. Yeah. Because from San Jose to my town in in Limon, when I where I grew up, it's a three hours drive. So it wasn't near. Yeah. So I was living in San Jose, but I didn't have a club, only my national team. Wow. And um, it was one day one of my teammates he said, "Oh, Kendall, um, can you come with me because I'm gonna make a tryout." in Saprisa. <laughs> and Saprisa wasn't the team that I wanted. The, it was the rival of Saprisa, you know? Okay. <laughs> but when I went before to the rival, the, uh, a coach told me, okay, we will call you later. He never called me. Big <laughs> <laughs> <Like> mistake. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still waiting his call. <laughs> <laughs> and after, when I went with my friend, 
um, he told me, okay, let's go. So the coach came out and he, he called him, okay, let's go and get a tryout. And he stayed and looked unto me and he told me, do you play soccer? I said, yes, sir. And he said, do you want to play? I said, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to play. I scored three goals. No way. I scored three goals. And Where were you friend, playing? Defense or defender? Or, yes. Right? So it was it was two corner kick and one free kick. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the of the of the game, they called me that they was interested in me. They want to sign me, and I went so happy to my friend. I say, hey, what's up? What they told you? And he was so sad. No, they didn't tell me anything. <laughs> so he, he invited you to his trial and you took yeah. a place and he never got a place. Correct. Who got so it? That, and who was the rivals? That, what was the rival team? Um, no, it was like between the teams of, of Saprisa, like oh, the okay. reserve team against the U20, for example. Right. But yeah. who, was the, who was the rival team in San Jose that you... Oh, uh, the rival team, um, Alajuela. Alajuelense. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's, yes, it's like uh, the derby games. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so Saprisa wasn't your team, but before you know it, you've, you've did well in this trial. You've scored a for a defender, which is ridiculous. It's like, for example, Celtic and Rangers. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is bad. Yeah, it's really I bad. You, I would think there's no way that a defender scored a hat trick, but I know what you're like in the box. I know what you're like in the air, so I can <laughs> believe it. So you signed for Saprisa. You're a Saprisa player, and you're you're sort of on the road to professional football. What was it like? Was it was it intense competition still at that point? And did you mm-hmm. fast track really quickly, or or were you still you know a bit to go in terms of your development? Yeah, it was a little bit quick. But the same thing happens that um, they have players, they take them out, they bring new players because yeah. Saprisa, they have the mentality as a big club to bring players so they can put them in the professional division so they can sell them, you know, okay. to, to another countries. So any talented players will come and take your spot. Okay. So it was a full pressure every single, single time. But... Um, I went through all the process to all the academy and reserve and everything until I, I get to, to play with the professional team. Yeah, and you, you made your debut with a professional team and played some games. But then, you know, I guess like all of us, I was the same. I went on loan. I was at Newcastle United, but I went on yeah. loan two, three, four times to try and start my career because it was so difficult to break in regularly to the, to the first team. Yeah. Was it the same for you? And, and, you know, please talk to us a little bit about the, again, the mentality and the mental strength needed to, to go to these different places on loan and to, to try and do well enough that maybe Saprisa noticed you or you can, you can achieve your move. Yeah, the first time when they told me that they're going to send me on loan, to be honest, I was devastated. I, I, I cried that day yeah. because I was... I had that mentality that I don't care if I don't play in the first team in Saprissa, but how Saprissa is a big club, I'd rather be there than, than going another place, you know? Yeah. So when I, I went to um, and play with the other team on loan and I start to realize, oh, yes, th- this is what I need, playing time. I start to, to enjoy myself, even that we don't have the same facilities as 
a big club habit, you know. We used to have to wash our own uniforms, yeah. our socks, to take care of everything. And in Saprissa, they do everything for us. Yeah. So it yeah. was totally different. <laughs> so it was it was hard. Even I went on loan, and that team we got um, relegated. We went to uh, second division. So it was so hard. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, what I'm doing here, you know, was a lot of um, things in your mind going on that is this is my future or not. But I, I one time I went and I think like, okay, I don't care if I don't achieve something, but I'm going to fight until the end to try to get there. If I don't get it, Okay, for some reason, but at least I'm gonna do everything possible to get for it. Yeah, we used to say, we always used to say after games, the coaches would say, if you can look in the mirror and, and know that you gave 100%, then it's yeah. the best you can give, you know? And uh -huh. this is this was something that really stuck with me through my entire career. I just wanted to know that I gave my best. And wherever I land, wherever I end up playing is is my best, you know? Correct. And so there's that determination to, yes, achieve at Newcastle or wherever you're playing at Saprissa. But when you get out there and you wear whoever's shirt, then you give your absolute utmost to, to try and perform for that team. Right. And so that the fans and the, the club can respect, this guy gives his best, this guy gives yes. his all, you know? Mm, uh, totally. Then, but I want to know what it was like there's one thing moving to a team in, in uh, your national country, but then you went away to Uruguay, didn't you? You played some time yes. in Nacional in Uruguay. And how did that move come about? And, and what was it like experiencing a different country? Yeah, that move come about because we went to play a tournament in Uruguay that they invited us. So I played well in those games and in the final against that team, Nacional. And they was impressed with my performance, so this, they decided to to make everything so they can they can have me. So I went on loan for one year over there, and um, by some other reason, because they hire other players that was captain for their national team from Uruguay, from Argentina, and I was 19 years old, so I didn't have no no playing time. I was only playing with the reserve. So after they decide, because they changed coach as well, so they decide to send me back to Costa Rica. So it was another bit of a disappointment, then, you know, and, and so you're back to Saprissa. What are you thinking at this point? Are you, are you doubting yourself? Are you, are you concerned about your professional career? You know, where is your mindset and, and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I was concerned because... Um, I was thinking like, okay, I come from um, playing one year, in, being in Uruguay one year without playing, you know, for, for the professional team. But in Saprissa, I don't have any, any opportunity as well. So I was like, oh, man, what is going on? What is going on? So I just keep training with, with a, you know, with a mentality that, that okay, sooner or later, my chance is going to come. And if Anytime it comes, I got to just get it. So after I went on loan again, I went on loan again. And they, there I start to play a lot. I start to score. I start to enjoy what I was doing. Yeah. 
and I was like, okay, if if I go back to Saprissa, I want to play. I know I can do it. You know, I start to believe more in myself because that was one of my mistakes. I was so I was doubting so much and not focusing in my in my strengths, only focusing in my weaknesses. You know, so yeah. when, as as soon as I start to focus, yes, I can do it. I am big. I'm strong. I can score. I can do this. Do that. I start to believe more in me, and obviously, it shows in the field. So yeah, I, I love that. I love how you've then started to focus on the positives and, and what you're good at. And I think it's applicable to any young lad who's trying to make it in the professional game. That it's it's such a a harsh world, isn't it? We've got so many people telling us what we're. You know, for me, it was like, oh, he's too slow. He's, he can't do this. He can't do that. And it's easy to to lose that confidence and get get really concerned and and uh, and get get negative about things. But you've, you're right in saying you focus on the, the positive aspects and the, the good things that you're good at and the exceptional things that that you do really well. Was there a coach that helped you with that, or was this all coming from within you, or was there like one mentor, or one guy that kind of gave you the belief that you could you could reach the top yeah there was like some coaches did it that they wanted to help me you know but i remember even when i was playing professional there was one coach he told me like hey, why you don't go and study why you don't go and play basketball do another thing and i was i was already playing professional so to be honest i that hurt my feelings a lot yeah you know, but I went home and I say to my wife, I was already married. Mm-hmm. I say, no, why I gonna believe him? No, I gonna chase my dreams. I don't care what he gonna say. You know, so I, I it hurts because you know we have feelings and you don't like yeah. nobody tell you that, especially your boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the end, I I I just still fight for 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 what I wanted. Yeah, the determination needed to to come through that is is immense, isn't it? And and I don't think people realise that the effect that that has on my, uh, us on our family. So you know, I'm sure your wife was very important as a support oh, support at that time. Totally, because um, I I was crying and she was the one with the with the. Um, with a pillow and everything, <laughs> but that is a huge, a, a huge thing because sometimes you need some other people tell, um, tell you your strengths or what you can do and and improve you to to get things right, you know, and, and try to just continue the same way. So when when you eventually get things going and, and the career's kind of kicked off and you feel like, okay, I'm up and running and I'm I'm starting to get a bit of success here, did you know of interest coming from MLS and the Vancouver Whitecaps or some other teams? Was there was there some, you know, talk about uh what you were you were doing in Costa Rica and maybe moving uh to another country to play? The the way um the interest came from Vancouver's especially was that they came that the agents they came on and watched the game you know yeah and they they liked the way i play so everything was talking like okay it could be an interest to to go to mls or to another place 
But at that time, there was a lot of agents talking, you know, the usual agents. Yeah. That they say they have something and they don't have anything. <laughs> so I was like, do I believe or not? And after, when everything come through, I was like shocked because I wasn't expecting in that moment like anything happened, you know. I wasn't believing in no one. So it was a, a huge surprise. Yeah, so the, the story I heard was that there was interest from Whitecaps and a few other players, and they come to a game and they see uh -huh. you play. Yeah, they, really they, they wanted another play, a midfielder. Yeah. They wanted yeah. a midfielder. And I surprised them. So um, the only thing Robo didn't put me as a midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I think that was the best thing. <laughs> but I heard, and I love this story. Tell me if, it, if it's not true. But, and I'm going to tell you why I love it so much after you answer, but I heard that when you first met with the agent, you turn up and you're in a suit and you're smart and you're ready and you're, you know, you look like you want it and you look professional. Is that true? Can you confirm this story for me, please? It's true, it's true. I went with my wife, suit up, everything nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you have to um, make a good impression. Yeah, so when I went to Burnley, I was playing for Sunderland and uh, they, they were interested in signing me and I went there for a day and I wore a suit because I always wore a suit to things back then, you know, when it was, uh, you know, serious because I felt like it made you look like more uh -huh. of a man, you know? <laughs> and I wore this suit and I turned up and they were so used to players arriving in, you know, polo shirts and track suits and jeans and T-shirts that they saw me walk in and, and they said at that moment they were certain that I was the right guy for that football club to lead them. Like depression. I looked proper and I looked <laughs> like the man, even though I never played like that. I looked like that. <laughs> so the key is half the battle is how you look, how you present yourself. So right. when I heard that story, I had to bring it up because I love it because that's why I'm a big man. So, so you're in, you, you moved to Vancouver you get the move, you, uh, you're excited, I assume. You're moving your family, so there's probably some kind of anxiety there in terms of the move. But what was the early days like of, of uh, arriving at the Whitecaps? Yeah, it was um, a little bit hard because um, my wife and my son, they didn't have the visas and everything, you know, the paperwork. So I was by myself and desiring that they can come and, and live that same dream as me. Yeah. So it was nice as well because I was enjoying the new country, the new opportunity, everything was new. And, and as soon well, I start to travel with the team, the first game and, and having that experience in MLS, I was like, wow, I like this environment. I like this league. I, I like everything. So um, it was, it was nice, but I think like the best thing was like, See, seeing their faces, my wife, my son, he was like three months old. Yeah. And he arrived to Vancouver. So, so watching them the next morning when they wake up and looking everything around, it was like the best thing ever. Yeah. Once they came and they got settled in the city, yeah. it felt like it was home at that moment. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, you was like living the dream. Yeah. 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 And you and you settled into the to the team pretty quickly. You had, you know, you came mid season, which is never an easy thing in MLS. But then eventually, uh, once you started getting some playing time, you had a brilliant October in that first year of uh, I think it was 2014, and you started to feel really settled. I'm I'm, I'm sure Carl Robinson was a big part of that and, and his coaching staff. But 
Um, you know, what was it about the Whitecaps that really impressed you at the start? And, and did you feel that, yeah, I can be a real success here? Yeah, I think like that environment and the way the coaches manage everything, you know, I think that is a key part of it because they make you feel at home as a family and they are really honest people. So uh, at the beginning, there was others as well as Latin players. So the, I speak English, so language wasn't was in a difficulty or a barrier for me, you know, and like the playing time, the way to improve because also you you arrive and you are thinking, okay, they hire me, but I have to impress them as well because I want to stay here. Yeah. I'm not secure. I'm not safe for two, three years, you know, so I have to impress as well. So I think like the way they, they teach you things are key because it's one thing to, to say and to, and to tell players what to do. And another thing is to teach. Yeah. And did you feel like, they were good teachers and that you did improve as a player did you did you think they take your they took your game on to the next level or two i think i think they take the best out of me because not only in, in the way in the on the field but off the field yeah because they know how to talk to you they know how to get to certain players in different ways and i think that is a huge part of of the the growth that I have as soon as I, I came. And what were some of the improvements that that you felt came within your game, may, maybe even just in your professionalism from joining the Whitecaps? Yeah, I think like the hard work day by day in the daily basis because um, over in Costa Rica, for example, sometimes you are relaxed, you know, yeah. there's more time to chill or whatever, but here, you know, is high intensity as soon as you start and I think I, I learn and I improve in my um, body positioning, my footwork and, and all those things because they have more people here that are specialized in different things that they help you in everything. Yeah, and, and you know, you trusted them and they certainly trusted you, Carl Robinson, make you captain in the, the beginning of the 2017 season. Uh, what, was, what was that honour like? Was this... Was 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 captaincy always in the in the kind of future for Kendall Waston, or was this a moment when you you really you know had to kind of take on more responsibility and become that that guy for uh, for the Whitecaps? Yeah, I have to take more responsibility. I, it wasn't something that I was chasing badly, you know. Yeah. I always think like I don't want to force things. I you know I I rather preach by example or whatever than forcing things to come to me and but as soon the robot told, told me that okay you're gonna be the captain this year I was surprised I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting it and it helped me to focus because the, the year before I think I have a lot of red cards so this gave me more responsibility and knowing that okay I'm not playing by myself I cannot be responsible because I cannot let down um, the opportunity and, and all the coaches, my teammates, and especially sometimes my my family. 
you know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's also part of my team. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to like let people, do. there's nothing worse. We, we know it a bit more than most when you're sitting in that changing room and you've had the red card. Oh, it's man. a lonely place, isn't it? Oh, I remember one time, I think this, this was a key time for me when I got the red card in Portland at the end of the game. Yeah. Oh, that, 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 that two days before we was changing up apartment in Vancouver. So my wife said, Kendall, relax. You don't do nothing. I'm going to get in charge and everything, all the movement and moving and everything. I said, oh, thank you, love. She said, just go and play and enjoy and bring three points for us. <laughs> I said, okay, love. And she was moving all the stuff with the, with the, how you say, with the, um, the kid, the baby yeah, the, the problem, the stroller, yeah. Yes. Oh, like like two two blocks away. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. And I got that red card. Oh my friend. Felt I guilty. called my wife. She said, I don't want to speak. I wait you at home. <laughs> I said, Oh my goodness, what's going on? And she tell me every single thing. Everything is just straight to my face that I was so irresponsible. How I gonna do that? Um, I cannot be so selfish because um, she as well worry about me and she told me to don't do anything, to relax so I just can focus in 90 minutes. Yeah. And I just do that. No, you are stupid. You have to. <laughs> so she, she went hard to me, really hard. Yeah. But she was really honest. So that thing opened my eyes, you know, because I was thinking, no, nah, uh, my wife is my wife. She, we cannot mix it, you know. So that, that opened my eyes so much and, and gave me another view about soccer, you know, that also I have to be responsible with myself and my family. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can't separate this game, can we? We just, it's just, it, it, it's too consuming to have it separate from family yes. life. And, and it's too uh, public to be just about one thing or the other. So the actions that you do on the field and, and within the soccer environment, they, they spill into think, everyday yeah. life, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's a great story. And I'm getting the impression here that you were more scared of coming home to her and hearing that than you were. Yeah. Like, well, had to say. So, sometimes, sometimes I was more scared what my wife going to tell me than what Robo will tell me. <laughs> I love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> so we're here and we're getting to know the real Kendall Austin and what scares them. If only managers had known this years ago, they would be uh, they would have been doing this. They would have been saying, "Hey, can you come in? Bring the wife and uh, the Kendall under control." <laughs> um, a big part of your um, your journey has been obviously your work with the Costa Rica national team as well. I think that you've You've got what thirty-two caps. You've been you've been an important player for them. Your first cap was against Canada, which I find a little bit ironic in May twenty thirteen. And how proud a moment was that for you to to represent your country? Oh, was like was the moment that I think feel so proud, you know, because it's something that you always wanted. Just from before watching other players in the TV screen, you know, and now you know you are. You are there in the field representing your country, so it's really nice. And and yeah, my first game was against Canada. I came in came in as a sub, 
and now I have a lot of games with my fam and with my country and playing important games as well. So for me, like looking back, everything I'm worth it. Yeah. And there was no more important game than the 7th of October 2017, yeah, yeah. which is, is always going to be, I think, one of the top, maybe the top moment, but one of the top five moments of your career when you scored an equaliser, but it was a very important equaliser against Honduras in a, a World Cup qualifier to send Costa Rica to the, the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. Tell me what it was like. I mean, it, it, I... There's important goals, but that kind of takes oh. it. That is pretty important. That is my top one. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, because ah, we were so under pressure. We was losing, knowing that we just needed to equalize the game to yeah. qualify to the World Cup. You know, so there was 10 minutes or six minutes left on the game. And I see the coach... Kendall, go forward, go forward. I say, okay, let's go. So I was chasing, I was tired as well. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon that cross came in, I was like, oh, please, this is the chance, this is the chance. And I just hit the ball. And when I see that ball get in, I, I hear Arda screaming, everybody jumping. I was like, wow. <laughs> I just started to run around. I, I, I didn't know how to celebrate. Yeah. I just went crazy running around. I was so happy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was it was such euphoria and to do it in San Jose and for I mean how many people were there? How many people were in the stadium that day? That day the stadium have a capacity I think of forty, forty two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And the celebrations last oh. minute. You know that it's what you need. It's like there's almost like nothing else to think about in that Correct. game. You've done it. And, ah. the, and the feeling is, oh, I'm fortunate, I've felt something similar a couple of times. Not that I've scored the goal, but when you get that feeling of the whistle or the end of the game, yeah, you've achieved, it's, it's awesome. To do it for your country and do it with your, 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 your fellow uh, nationals must have been... Oh, yes, it was. Uh, it was um, incredible. Sometimes I try to find the exact word to explain what I feel, yeah. even now, and it's hard still, you know. Like sometimes I just see the um, the video, the highlights on YouTube or whatever, and it still bring me good spots. Yeah, and by the way, it was an unbelievable header. It was a brilliant <laughs> header, mate. I loved it. It was just... that, 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 the best thing is that. I wasn't expecting to to head it there. Okay. I just hit the ball with ever. <laughs> so I'm giving you too much credit. You just, you just got it anywhere near the goal and it went in. I just say, matter. get in, get in. It doesn't matter. Something's willing the ball into the back of the net is more important. Yeah. Than the so a, a great moment. You're there. Costa Rica are back at a World Cup. I remember Costa Rica's first World Cup. And this is a hard story for me. I mean, you're only two years old, right? But I was nine. So this is my first World Cup, Italia 90. So excited. The first game, Scotland v. Costa Rica, Genoa. And, I, and we're saying, you know, we're Scotland. We think we're the best soccer nation in the world. We know that we're not, but we think we are. Oh, we'll beat Costa Rica. There's no way we're going to lose to Costa Easily. Rica. Easily. 
Easily. And we lose 1 0. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was crying for about an hour after that game, <laughs> devastated with the result. 1990, the first time you guys were there. You were there in 14 when, when you may have been there, but you, you know, because you had had a cap, but you never made it to that World Cup. And yeah. now you're actually, you know, taking the, the, the team to 2018 World Cup in Russia. You're there. Give me a bit about the build-up. It's, it's something that I can only imagine. I'd love to have went to a World Cup, but I never got the, the, the fortune of doing it. What is it like, the whole build-up, the lead-up to it, getting there, the experience every day? Is it, is it as awesome as it seems? Yes, but I think that we have, like, a lot of pressure, like, one week heading to the World Cup. Why? Because four years before, there was a lot of injuries. Right. You know, going to the World Cup. And sometimes you see news, oh, in Argentina, um, this player um, couldn't go to the World Cup because he got injured. So yeah. you are training to, to, to play in the starting level, but as well you are oh, worried about any injury, you yeah. know. You are protecting yourself. So as soon as you arrive to Russia, I remember, please, I just want to be in the airplane arrive to Russia and I say, yes, Kendall is in the work. <laughs> yeah. So when we arrived there, all oh, with the security, the way the welcoming, um, the way they treat us, it was so nice. I was like, wow, I feel like a big shot, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so nice. And I tried to film every single thing. I tried to enjoy from the bus to the fields. Every single thing. Yeah, and the last game, you have your big moment. You play Switzerland yeah. and you manage to get in the score sheet. Again, Again. you can't be marked from corners. You are just too too powerful. I've tried it. I know what you're like. So you get in the score sheet. I mean, that must have been some feeling to score a yes. goal in a World Cup. Wow, I was like, wow, my first World Cup. That is a, a, a dream come true. But scoring, it, again, you know, the scoring in the World Cup is, was like, wow, is, is this real? Is this real? It was, yeah. <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah, and, uh, and, and a great moment and congratulations. Two of the biggest goals in Costa Rican history are scored by you <laughs> to get there and then when you are there. So an, an amazing thing. Uh, back to Vancouver at this point and then... I'd say a lot of negativity around about Carol Robinson leaving the team, and 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 you were a big part. You were the captain. You were you were vocal about a lot of it. Um, how did it go down? Any disappointments about what happened, the way it happened, or the way things were said? You know, what what do you want to say on that period? Yeah, the thing is, like, what made me mad at the end is that. Um, how it finished, yeah. you know, because everything was so well. Um, if people was, wouldn't say wrong things, I wouldn't came out and say the truth, you know? Yeah. Um, and if I always try to be a grateful guy, I won't bite. We have a saying in Spanish that I won't bite, don't bite the hands what feed you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I believe in that a lot. And I am a true uh, person, a re really, um, you know, honest, transparent. So like the fans 
have an idea, some sector of the fans have an idea of me that, oh, Kendall went happy, especially when I, after when I, I post some things like, oh, yes, I'm happy to go to Cincinnati. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to be happy to go a pl- to a place that wants me. Yeah. You know, I have to be grateful as, as well. If And Vancouver, yes, I, I enjoy it a lot. I'm really grateful with them. But uh, also, there was things that uh, I don't agree. And if I don't feel safe, as how I said it before, if I don't feel safe where I was and I see different things like um, doing wrong in the locker room and, and people being kind of snitch and saying things about players to the president, like those things don't go with me. Yeah. So just be really, really honest on that. Yeah, and you were perfectly entitled to do that as a captain, to, to be vocal about that. So, you know, I... Yeah, well, as also there was a thing like when they start talking about like, oh, Kendall is homophobic, Kendall is um, not racial and those things like, oh, people don't know my background. For example, I have one brother, he's gay. Yeah. So, so how I'm going to be homophobic is yeah. nonsense. You know, yeah. another thing like, um, people think think like, oh, Kendall don't want to wear the 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 armband and those things. There was several things like in, or information that you know they get out from the team. Yeah, you know there was so specific things that they came out from the team. So um, those things helped me to to believe like, okay, I'm I I'm not safe here, so I better leave. So did you feel too much was coming out from the football club? There was someone who was leaking information that, that should have sure. stayed sacred sure. within the club. Yeah. yeah, There was a lot of information, even that when Robo was going, nobody knew only in the club. And so how people, how the, the people in the internet, yeah. <laughs> that they sit down behind a, a computer, they're going to know that. So those things is was like oh a, a danger warning. Yeah, which I'm sure was a, a huge disappointment for you because not just because the platform that Whitecaps had gave you, but you know, your your, your son Kesai is five, he's almost six, yeah. isn't he, at the end of April. And your 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 wife, your family, you guys you guys grew up in Vancouver as a family. Correct, yeah. And totally. so you, you we, must we have felt we felt, we, felt, we felt it at home. Yeah. And you, if you ask me right now, if I will go back to Vancouver, for sure, I will go back to Vancouver. Yeah. I love the city. I love the fans. I love everything in Vancouver. But there was th- there, there are things there that, or people there that I don't feel um, um trust. Yeah. You know. So if I don't trust in something, I cannot be there. Yeah. You can't. You can't stay around somewhere where uh, you know you're. You're supposed to be working as a team, and and you feel like certain people maybe don't have your best interests at heart. Correct. So eventually, you move on. You, you go to Cincinnati, which which for me was uh, was was a big move for everyone. You know, it was what nearly seven hundred thousand in allocation money, I think, which yeah. is considerable for MLS. And and you go to a, a expansion franchise, which is never easy. It's always difficult and. I'm sure you were excited about starting again and, and, and showing the fans in Cincinnati what you were capable of, but how difficult was that first year to be involved in, in the expansion franchise and some of the teething problems? Yeah, it was, it was hard, like different things from before this, you know, how 
everything was managed and the way I went to Cincinnati. Obviously, I'm grateful with, with this team that uh, what me, but I knew there was other options and even outside the MLS. For example, yeah. in Mexico, I have a chance, but obviously the, the people in Vancouver, they didn't want to take it. So, so at the end, they just called me, oh, Kendall, yes? Oh, yeah, and we just um, finalized everything to Cincinnati. And they just hung up the phone. And that was it. That was my last conversation. So in Cincinnati, we start a hard year, the hard franchise, you know, the new start. And it is everything is new, a lot of learning. And and the thing is that okay, they are willing to do great things. So hopefully we can achieve them. Yeah, did you one last thing on Vancouver, something you said there, did you think what you had given Vancouver Whitecaps, you deserved a little bit better from the organisation as, as you were leaving. Uh, did you think they could have dealt with things on that trade? On yeah, that for example, a simple thing, why are they going to avoid me to speak with the media? Mm-hmm. When I see that, I say, I am a, I'm not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the truth. I'm not going to be a person that they're going to say, Kendall, say this and this, and I am going to say it. No, you know? So yeah. when they when they start to tell the media, you ca- you are not allowed to speak to Kendall, I was like, wow. I, I feel really bad. I feel like embarrassed, you know? Like if I'm, they are trying to talk to a robber or who don't, yeah. you know? So there was uh, things that just increase, increase, like certain anger in me that and a way that make me feel bad you know not about the the my teammates because my teammates was the best teammates ever yeah. but the people that that managed the thing yeah uh disappointing for it to end like that when you know when when you guys had had such a a great time together for so many years but yeah like i said tough first year in cincinnati but you know who knows when we're going to get back to playing football but Eventually, we will get back to playing football. You expect, obviously, a better year ahead and, and, and some mm-hmm. changes have been made and some for good, some for bad, but <laughs> yeah. it's still a little bit a little bit um, tumultuous and a lot of turmoil. And are you hoping things settle down? And, and do you feel like you have made some good uh, trades and some good acquisitions for the squad and that you will actually be better on the field this year? Yes, I think this year um, we have more quality, and especially in the offensive side, that we have players that can score more goals and and have that willingness, you know, to to be good and to to have that cohesion as a group. That is really really important because last year was everybody knew never playing together before, so that also is difficult, but. Um, now, well, this year we start with two losses and this thing with the coronavirus stop everything. So hopefully if the league um, restart, we have a fresh start again. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, and, and you're 32, but I still think you've got a lot of football in you for sure. And, you know, um, Europe or Asia or other countries, I'm I'm, I'm sure you would be you would be interested in maybe playing there? Is that still a dream of yours or is MLS? Yeah, it's still, a, it's still a dream of mine. Obviously, like here in the MLS, I feel good. My family is, yeah. is well, you know, it's, it's a great league uh, for your safety and the family. It's really organized. 
Yeah. And but one of my dreams was playing in Europe. I know by my age is more difficult now, but if I have the opportunity to go to Asia to something better for me in the money wise, everything because yeah. so um this sport is really short. So yeah. I have to take advantage of everything for 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 the benefit of my family. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it's been a pleasure, mate. I've loved speaking to you. I've I've learned some amazing new things here. <laughs> you do not want to mess with your wife. That's the most important thing I've learned. <laughs> but uh, I mean, honestly, it's been a great hour, mate. Uh, you're you're a family man. You're a guy who is com- committed to what he believes in and and his uh, his profession. So I appreciate your time, Kendall, and uh, it's been wonderful to talk to you, big man. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And anytime you need me, I'm going to be there. Appreciate it, mate. Take care. No problem, my friend.